Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Okay, everybody. So glad that you guys are all here with us. If everybody wants to uh, go ahead and uh, open up their Bibles or their smartphones or their tablets, we're going to be continuing our study today in the book of James. Uh, We are in James chapter 3. We started that last week. And uh, last week we talked about controlling your tongue, which of course is always much easier said than done. Uh, so we read through James chapter 1, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And so today we're going to be uh, starting with verse 13, which uh, I was reading it this week, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I think there's going to be a really great discussion today because we're talking about wisdom. And uh, James does mention wisdom in other parts throughout, um, throughout the chapter uh, or throughout the book already. Um, but uh, today he's going to talk a lot about it um, pretty specifically. He talks about the wisdom from above. And so I'm excited to hear how you guys, as we're reading um, individually, how you guys interpret like maybe associations with previous chapters um, or even other areas of the Bible, which we have obviously done many times. Um, as, you can, as you know, these guys spent time with Jesus in the person. And so it makes sense why they would be saying things that directly link to his teachings. And so in their letters that they write to their followers, to the people in the cities who are calling themselves uh, followers of Jesus, that when they write these letters, that you hear echoes of Jesus's voice throughout them. And so I want to go ahead and read James chapter 3, uh, verse 13. And this should finish off our chapter today. Um, verse 13, I'm sorry. James 3, verse 13 says this. So who among you is wise and understanding? I'm, I'm wondering if he's like, trying to be sarcastic here, kind of like Paul does oftentimes in his epistles. He's just sort of almost insults people in his light, in his writings. Yeah, yeah, you guys who think you're wise, you guys, uh, like, he's like, if you raise your hand, put that down, put it down right now. Uh, So who among you is wise and understanding? Or maybe he's just asking the question in general, like, like, consider this, right? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. And then it uh, obviously links back to James 1.21 and James 2.18, where he had already referenced it. So who among you is wise and understanding? And he's kind of saying, if you think you are, by his good conduct, you will show that your works are done with gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly unspiritual and demonic. So he's kind of calling it like a false wisdom, right? So it's interesting that he even gives it the word wisdom, interestingly enough. So um, if you have bitter envy, selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. That kind of wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there is envy and where there is selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, It's peace-loving, it's gentle, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, it's unwavering without pretense. This reminds me of the fruit of the Spirit in a way. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate 
peace. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is timeless and that uh, here we are 2,000 years after it was written and it still applies to us. It still cuts us to the core and we can be challenged by it. And so we ask that this morning you would uh, reveal what you would say to us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, verse 13. I'm going to ask you guys this question. Hey, who among you in the room here thinks that you are wise and understanding? Oh, what happened to our online? Oh my gosh, this game. Josh and everybody, they're like, what happened? Did the internet go down? I'm not even tapping the Hello. Hello. Oh my gosh. Technology today is going crazy in this house. Okay, sorry for those of you listening online as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. Okay, internet went out. All right, so James 13, start, or James 3, verse 13 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? So who in the room here would say that you are a wise person and full of understanding? Anybody? There's fear and trembling for anyone that raises up. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, I don't know, how do you read that? Do you think he's being sarcastic? Like, how do you read? I mean, it's hard to tell unless you're really reading in the tense of, like, the, like the terms in, in Greek and all of that and see, like, the, you know, the, the tenses he's using. But who among you is wise and understanding? I could see it both ways. I could see him saying, like, kind of like, they're always like, I'm not going to answer that question because I think it's a trap. <laughs> or, or I could see him, you know, kind of like saying, hey, you know, consider. Ask yourself, do you consider yourself to be a wise person? You know, it's hard to read a tone, obviously, in, in just in the English here. But um, I don't know. I mean... My first thought would be when, no. When, when, they, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, did mm-hmm. they feel kind of wise? You know, like they spoke, uh, you know, uh, uh, they spoke and they uh, taught, like, like they basically after Christ left, like, so, like their head was open, kind of, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and they preached. So I kind of, I know they probably didn't feel this way, but... but I just kind of wonder if they, like, hearing this question, like, what, what is my thought first? Like, yes, by myself, I don't feel this way. But, you know, if the Holy Spirit uh, allows, then I might have a moment. <laughs> right. Which I think is kind of maybe what he's getting at here, because he's talking about the wisdom that comes from above. You know, that's what he says. Like, the wisdom that comes from above, it's like, and even, I think even Paul was saying, like, I'm not... I don't have like eloquent words. I don't have any of those kinds of things, but what I've been given, I'm giving to you. And this is the wisdom of, of the father, the wisdom of Jesus Christ. That is the, the, the timeless truth, like the, the freedom of the gospel. And so like he's saying, I mean, cause he, he seems like, I mean, in verse uh, 15, such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly and spiritual demonic. He's like, he was talking about envy, talking about selfishness, which is actually, have you ever heard people do that? Like people say like, like the movie Wall Street, greed is good, right? Or it's, a, it's good to, to, to envy what other people have because that's going to push you to go get what you need, you know, claw, scratch, climb the ladder, right? Like you hear people say things like that. And he's saying directly here is like, no, that's not wisdom. Like the conventional wisdom in the world tells you that that might be, but that's not real. And the other thing is, that, to your point, Alana, I think that, um, you know, I, when I think of wisdom, I tend to think of a wise old man. 
You know, like I think of like, let me go seek out the oracle on a mountain. Yeah, Gandalf. There you go. See, you know, I think of like, let me go find an old man with a really long beard. And the longer his beard is, the more likely he is to be wise. (laughs) And that to me is what I think of as wisdom. Like he'll know the answer to my question. But I don't know that that's really the kind of wisdom he's talking about. He's talking about, look at the bottom. Wisdom from above is pure, peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, and wow, pretense. I think he's, it's almost like he's linking it to who you are. Your wisdom is more about, about the source of your existence than it is like the actions and decisions, which of course your actions and decisions flow out of that. But, but he's saying that wisdom is so much more than just finding an old person and getting an answer to a question. It's literally who you are and the existence of it. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Does that make sense? Do you disagree? Do you see it from a different angle? Online, anybody on there have anything to say? Well, uh, for sure, it doesn't refer to knowing facts, you know, or knowing uh, answers to the, as like, ac- academic uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he's talking like that too. The very, he asked the question, who is wise? Who's understanding? And then he goes, well, by his good conduct, he would show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. Like it, it wasn't like uh, immediately like, ha, none of you are fools. <laughs> like, ha ha. Like it wasn't like that. Instead, it was more along the lines of, well, if you want to be wise or if you think you're wise, this is how you, your life would look like. Yeah, I, Chris. I don't, think that it's a, I don't think it's a problem if you look at somebody and say, man, I kind of wish I could be where they are. Okay. You know, because I think that does spur you on and that does motivate you to sure. get to that next level. But as we said in messages before, I think that once that becomes more than, like that becomes your sole focus of being, of why you're doing it, just to be like everybody else or to be, be able to be put on a pedestal as opposed to elevating yourself. Yeah. That's where, once it becomes that matter of the heart issue and that switches, mm. that's I think where the problem is. So I think at the beginning where, you know, after he said that though, like the where of the works, you know, he's like, it's okay maybe to do that, but you need to have something to back it up that you're doing it for the right reason. Like if you think you're wise, then this is what wisdom looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are full of instead, what does he say? Envy, bitterness, selfish ambition, then there's going to be fruit of that, mm-hmm. which is what was interesting is that he, he starts using the word fruit, right? Um, for where there is self envy and selfish ambition, there's disorder and every evil practice. Right. So that's like the that's that's what kind of comes out of when you are an envious person, when you're selfish and you are chasing your ambition above other things, other people. um, What ends up coming from that is disorder that you just kind of do what you want, despite and every evil practice, you'll do whatever it takes to get what you want and how you want it and when you want it. 
But then the wisdom, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is pure, peace-loving, gentle, compliant. That's interesting. Compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without pretense. So, yeah. quick question about the without pretense, just for translation variability. Mine says without hypocrisy. And I'd also note, like on the compliant, mine says willing to yield, which yeah. I think is just a way to say compliant. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, how much he might refer to situations in a um, body of Christ, like correcting somebody or complying, following, or being obedient, following something. Like submissive. To authority, those yeah, kinds of things? Or pointing out other people, hey, this is not how you should live, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you, who, who you are, you think you're doing better. Like your correction, or you, you're, it should be gentle, you know? Yeah. And it just kind of wonder. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot in there. I mean, so let's dig into that a little bit. I mean, I think we all get the idea of what, you know, envy and selfish ambition is, right? So the more practical ap- approach for us is, is, okay, so what is it supposed to be? The wisdom from above is first pure. How do you measure pure wisdom? Like, how do you, what does it even mean? Like, what does it mean to like, how would you know that wisdom from above is pure? When I'm thinking of the word pure, my mind goes to, you know, being clean enough to walk into the temple. Okay. Into the Holy of Holies. Okay. Pause there for a second. For anybody who doesn't know, in, uh, in the Old Testament, the context is before you could go to the temple, particularly a priest, um, to offer their sacrifices, they had to be ritually cleansed. And there, um, and there were all sorts of things that would make people unclean. And they had to go through a ceremony of, uh, of ritual washing. Sometimes that would take days. They'd have to wait a week or whatever before they could go back to it. So um, that's, what, that's what Joe is, is um, alluding to is that kind of concept. And every Jewish person would know the idea between clean and unclean, which is why a leper was never able to ever go to the temple because he was always unclean. Go ahead. An important element of this is that sinful behavior can make you unclean, but there are other things that aren't sin that can make you unclean. So if I'm handling a dead body because I need to bury the dead body, I have not committed sin, but I'm still Well, you are unclean, right, according to the law, yes. And I need to go through a purification process. Okay, so then, sorry, I derailed that for the pick of context. Okay, so how is wisdom pure? So you bring that into that concept of, it alludes to that, or were you just yeah. saying, it just reminds you of it? Yeah, just, just it's, a, it's a wisdom that can stand in the presence of God. Okay. And, and, and not be destroyed, because the, the, you know, in the temple worship, you, know, the, you, know, you, you stand in the presence of God in an unclean state, you get destroyed, and most famously, that's what's happened with Nadab and Abijah. Mm-hmm. So, so your, your wisdom is pure. It can stand in the presence of God and remain standing after just being there. Is that kind of like, uh, like um, you know, would you be comfortable saying that in the presence of Jesus sitting in the room next to you? Like, is that kind of a saying? Like, a, like, if you, would you say that? Would you do that? Would you think that if he's sitting right here? Kind of like that. It's kind of what yeah, I think yeah, in a sort of in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a silly example, but I think that's kind of like a... I've heard people say that, like, you know, like, leave a, leave a seat for Jesus at the, you know, a birthday or at a, at a dinner table. It's, it's an interesting thing, but the concept, I think, is maybe born out of a space like this, which is, you know, thinking through, like, how do you know if wisdom is pure? How do you know if your motives are pure, if your actions are pure? You can, one way you can do that is the one who holds the standards in their hands is, are you comfortable being around that person when that's happening? Those kinds of things. That's a, okay. Any other thoughts about pure wisdom? Well, you said about standards, and when I um, thought about pure and com- 
garden, the only tree they couldn't eat from was tree of good and evil, right? In the tree of yeah. life. No. Yeah, knowledge of the good and uh, good and evil. Yes. So, so like, uh, like that was kind of uh, knowledge or wisdom, but it brought them trouble because they started to give themselves, like they didn't comply to what God said. Mm -hmm. I don't eat from this one, but they started to think that they can follow their own standards. They had free will to do that. And their own idea how to live. So sometimes um, I think that in that context, about something that is not evil but is pure and is knowledge, is really knowledge of uh, like uh, following the standards that are not, not your own plans or not your own standards, but the... Mm. But even, to be honest, like, in that life, you kind of not even give yourself right to say, I know what is good. I know what is evil. This is, because the truth is, that's what God decides. Mm -hmm. And he establishes. So, um, so this, this kind of, it's not that I have, like, really good, I'm so into the process. Yeah. I don't <laughs> well, that's what we're doing here. But, um, <laughs> but this is just another, another yeah. thought. I do like the idea of, of that compliance piece there. What was the other word that, um, that we were saying that was translated as? Willing to yield. Willing to yield. So that reminds me of, of uh, the Apostle Paul, where he's talking about how some brothers and sisters um, felt like they shouldn't eat meat that was sacrificed to idols and then sold in the marketplace, you know. And, and he tells the, the believers in this letter that, He's like, I don't think it's an issue. It's a false God, so who cares? Like, that's basically his mindset. He's like, but if someone else, if it's really a sticking point for them, I will, in a way, yield to that person, comply in that space. That's potentially, that reminds me of, of that. What other areas of compliance are yielding? Check in the list is, is this compliance? Because I have neither compliance nor willing to yield. What does yours say? Um, so I don't know which item in the list is. Is, is this the second one? It is the one. So one after pure. So pure. No, it's right after gentle. Reasonable. 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 So I have pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits. Okay, so reasonable. So we have reasonable, compliant, and willingness to yield. I think they all obviously. They all obviously like, you know, kind of like are within the same family, right? And so the question of the, the, the scholars who were translating this particular translation chose for the way that they read the Greek or the way that they thought the context was pulled out here. So I don't know, I think, I think and I do think this is why translations are important as a side note, that um, the essences can be the same, but the words can actually give slightly different tangents if you think through that. So it's important to, if you are doing studies to, to uh, maybe look at different translations and see those. And sometimes the, the Bible actually gives them to you. Sometimes there's a little footnote that will actually tell you. In this case, it does not. Um, but yours says, what was the word? Uh, reasonable. Reasonable. We, so we, what does that mean to you? We have a variety here, but these aren't, dis these aren't in disagreement. With right. They're not, exactly. They're not, in, they're not different they're, or yeah, in disagreement. So what do you think that would mean, like to, be, to be wisdom that is reasonable? So, so one of the things that goes through my mind when I'm considering talking to a, a reasonable person is are they willing to listen? Okay. Which kind of comes with willingness to yield. It's almost more like the, I feel like in a way, 
um, the, the word that yours is the reasonable is sort of the starting point and the other two are more of the action that results from being that kind of person. I would see it as like somewhat different though just because if you have reasonable, reasonable gives a little sense of flexibility but when you deal with compliant, compliant is adhering to the mm -hmm. law that would be or something and so where I think about compliant is like speaking to what the law says that you should or shouldn't do or the book that, that God says you should or shouldn't do, don't fill it in with your own thoughts of what, what, what is you know, right or wrong from there. Sure. Know? So if he's talking against false prophets and all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff, which he's been doing for the whole book at this point, I would imagine it's still on that same point, is to be like, you know, you think you're wise, but, you know, you need, wisdom is also compliant. Wisdom is based on what Jesus and God has said within Scripture and what they have dictated. And so from there, you inserting your own truths mm. are not necessarily right. Now, again, that kind of goes against what, like, willingness to yield and, um, you know, reasonable, you know, just because that's where my mind goes is, like, compliance is more adhering to what has been... Uh, like the facts of what's in sure. there. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what you kind of look at. Who is yeah. he talking to, right? That's the question that we're trying to figure out. I mean, he's, I mean, not who he's talking to, like according to the source, he just got done saying that the actions, the actions of a person who thinks they're wise but are actually not are envy, selfish ambition, like that's the fruit of that person. Disorder and evil practices is when you have like earthly wisdom. But the wisdom from above is pure, it's peace-loving, gentle, and compliant, reasonable, willingness to yield, a willing, like, to yield. So, like, is he, like, I, I, it doesn't seem to me, I don't know, I mean, that he's talking so much about the law, although I do think that's there, like, God's rule, God's wisdom, it, I think does include, uh, does include, like, the, the standards of what it means to be a child of God. Like, you know, Adam and Eve, like, the wisdom of the garden was what God told them that their life was supposed to be like. And so that is definitely like, that's what you should be doing. But if the word, so if the word is compliant, then I can, this is why we have a question, right? Like out of my translation, the Christian standard Bible, the word compliant there could allude to what you're saying. But if a different translation says reasonable or willingness to yield, then, then it doesn't, then it alludes to wouldn't mean what you're saying because it's not that it's wrong, but that it's not, that their interpretation was that they weren't talking about that specific thing, that they were talking more about maybe the way that we interact with each other, perhaps? Yeah, so I'm also thinking, like, when I was thinking about willing to yield, I thought it was noteworthy that, like, pride is not mentioned explicitly by name in this mm. section, because it feels like it, it is very applicable to the things that he's talking about. Right. And so I kind of read willing to yield into that as, like, whenever we're not willing to yield, that can, you know, can come from stubbornness, and that can also frequently come okay. from pride. Yeah, for sure. We know what we're doing. Like, I know better. I am, you know, like, I'm not going to change my views when it comes to, like, a sense of, yeah, kind of pride and, like, putting yourself and, like, keeping that and being stubborn about it. Um, Which does like, speak to what Chris is yeah, saying, really. I, saying, like, I think, Chris, like, what you're saying about, you know, God calls us to humility, to humble ourselves before the law, like, to humble ourselves in the things that, you know, we might not originally, like, want to do or be interested in doing. And so, like, that kind of willingness to yield and that humility, um, I feel like that's really speaking to what you're saying into this. Yeah. It is interesting to me that the word compliant is in my translation, which is the most, which is the most, um, probably of the, of the three, you know, so, like, yielding and reasonable 
compliant is more definitive, which is obviously why it's you know creating this kind of question mark because it's it's probably the most dissimilar to the other two. Um, so that's interesting why it would why it would be chosen that way. The, the why the linguist thought this word particularly. So okay, so let's see what other ones: peace loving, gentle. Um, wisdom that is peace loving and gentle so I think going back to for me going back to you know the idea of reasonable um, that willingness to yield when you think about the goal in like to judge whether wisdom is is godly or earthly like what did he just say he paints this picture that like the wisdom of of earth is envious and is selfish it's about it's about me like it's about what I want and, and then it's propped up as, look at that guy. Yeah, he stepped on a whole bunch of people to get there, but look where he's at now. Like, that's considered to be wise. What do we say? It's not personal. It's just business. Like, this is, that's like a mantra in our society, right? So, but then he paints that picture of that, and then he says, no, no, but the wisdom that comes from above is peace-loving, right? And he says it's gentle, and then p- perhaps, I mean, it's compliant, reasonable, willingness to yield, which to me is the opposite of that, which is bringing people together. It's like at all costs, stay together rather than divide. Yeah. I think for me, the word that, um, that keeps coming to me in this description is just um, a person who has just like an overwhelming sense of going on around them they just know and like have that trust that whatever is happening is happening for a reason and if if God says we need to go this way then I'm just going to go this way and that's just you know the way right. it is and I don't need to fret and worry about it um, that's what I'm getting from this which yeah, and, and to think about that, I think the world would look at that as silly, right? So, so I think of, of, uh, of Tad and, Al- and Alona. I think of you guys, if I could jump in here. You told me your story of, you know, you're kind of like your move to Atlanta and then your move to Pittsburgh and how there was a lot of waiting and seeing and just sort of like, I don't know what God's going to do. And my guess is, please let me know, that there were people in your life, I mean, I'm assuming not Christians, who were like, what are you guys doing? You need a job. Take that job or whatever. I mean, I've been in that. Anybody else been in a situation like that where your decisions, because you're kind of hearing from God and you're, you're confident that he has given you a direction to move in or to not move in, to wait or whatever that is, seems unconventional to the standard of the world and the people around us. And they question it and they think you're being unwise and yet what you're saying Carrie is is that when you hear from the Lord that true wisdom is is marked by peace it's marked by that gentleness by by these things and it will look foolish to the world but it's actually wisdom in that space I think that's it's really a really great insight Yep. Like, does it really come from God? Is it Seek a second from, opinion. <laughs> is it <wisdom> from God? <laughs> yeah. 
So what else? Peace, love. Go ahead. So, 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 so to respond to various things that I've been hearing, this, this compliant, this, and you're even bringing up this, this, this distinction between you know, how to climb the corporate ladder versus you know, the godly wisdom. How, how do you set yourself up as a king? You go to the cross willingly. And, and, and so this attribute that, that we're finding different words for, you know, compliant, you know, yielding, all of these things, I see this perfectly in going to the cross, and even before going to the cross, being silent in the face of accusation. You're talking about Jesus, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're... people have gone to the cross that I... <laughs> that well, there have been lots of people on the cross. <laughs> but, but who have gone silently yeah. Yeah. without protest. I mean, again, right? What have we said week after week? One of Jesus's disciples is echoing the, the wisdom that has been exhibited by our Lord and Savior. You know, so Jesus lived his life in a way that, yeah, he, I mean, there certainly were times where he confronted, you know, and, but, but when it mattered, the thing that we, I think what you're getting at, the thing that we look to Jesus as the, what he came for, and what we kind of like hearken back to as the source of our salvation is, is the cross. And, and ultimately that, that time frame that he went through, you know, he didn't try to justify himself. He didn't try to get out of it except between him and, and his father in a moment of just humanity, which I don't think is, it's not saying that you can't want other things. It's saying what, kind of like we said in James 1, the loyalties that you choose. Like, it wasn't that he, Jesus didn't lose his, his, um, he didn't, it didn't nullify what he was about to do or what he had done when he was in the garden having a real moment with his dad saying, I don't want to do this because anybody wouldn't. Like, God, I'm, I can't pay my bills. You told me not to take this job that I need. Like, like, I don't, God is not upset with us when we tell him how we feel. His question for us is, but what are you going to do? Are you going to choose the way that I'm calling you to? Like, you know, and so Jesus has this moment in the garden where he does say, like, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Right. And then he says, but your will, what you've called me to do, I will do it. And to your point, he then kind of with a strength and resolve moves forward, gets beaten up and, you know, nailed to a cross and murdered um, without, without justifying any of it which then we come back to here, was his actions pure? Like, could he then afterwards stand before his father and say, I did what you told me to do and I did it the right way? You know? Um, well done, good and faithful. Yeah, was, he, was it peace-loving? I would say so. On the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. Like, he, even in the moment of pain, like, I, I stubbed my toe. We talked about it. I stubbed my toe. And I'm like, angry and like going to burn a city down. Like, he had like, he had like nails through his bones, you know, and he's on the cross saying, forgive them. Well, I love him. That's peace loving, gentle, obviously the compliant peace, right? He allowed them to take him full of mercy, and good fruits, the fruit of salvation. Obviously he was unwavering. Yeah. While he's on the cross. I mean, that's a, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point for all of us. Oftentimes, and this is kind of like a right for me, you know, oftentimes when we're in the middle of something, we're not thinking about like the people around us. We're kind of like, you know, I'm frustrated with my work situation or, or my bills are piling up and I can't, 
I can't pay them or whatever it is. The last thing I'm thinking about is, is like the soul of my neighbor. And yet here's Jesus on mission at all times, not allowing his circumstances to dictate who he is. Instead, who he is is dictated by who he is, you know? It looks like somebody wanted to say something. Okay. Man, that was, that's real good. And then without unwavering and without pretense. What does without pretense mean? Somebody said there was, there was another I, I translation of that. Without hypocrisy. Without hypocrisy. Yeah, so like. Mine says impartial and sincere. Okay. So without hypocrisy, without pretense, sincerity. So, so he's going to the cross after accusing all of the religious leaders of this exact thing. He's accusing all of the religious leaders of hypocrisy. Yep. And so the question is then, like, how do you know? So right, you look at Jesus' life and, and where it ended for him on the cross. Like, how do you determine if someone is a hypocrite or not? How do you determine if somebody was sincere or not? Like, you become a hypocrite when you say something and you do something else. And so you look at Jesus' record, which is all the way till the end, he said and did the same thing all the way through it. You know he was sincere because he followed through with his actions. Even, even when Peter tried to say, no, we're, we're not going to let you be killed. Right, he recognized yeah. that that in its own right was a dangerous hypocritical moment for Jesus. If he had said, you know what, you know what, maybe there is another way, Peter. <laughs> you know what, maybe, maybe somebody else can do this, you know. And then that would, have, that would have pulled the entire thing down, yeah, you know. Somebody other than the Son of God. Yeah, right. You know, uh, Joe Christ or somebody else. So the fruit of righteousness. So he kind of pulls it all together here in verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So he's using the, again, very agricultural, which is, which is very, very common all throughout Scripture, um, because they were an agricultural culture. That's what they, they understood farming. That's what many people did. And so you see it all throughout. Sowing something, you'll reap afterward. Jesus says it. You will, you will reap what you sow. So he's saying here, the fruit of righteousness. So like the plant that grows, the, the righteousness plant, the tree, right, is sown in peace. So you have to plant seeds and you have to water it. You might even have to prune Right? That's what gardening is. That's what farming is. Heather, had, Heather has this um, garden out back that she's been, this is year two of our, of our garden in the backyard. And uh, this year's garden has, has bared a lot of, born a lot of fruit, um, that more so than last year. And last year was good, but not great. This year was like abundant in a lot of the vegetables and fruits. And she's done a variety of things. She, she planted well before you would you know, be able to actually get anything off the, off the plant. She would go out on a regular basis and water it. She would also keep track of when it has not rained to know that she needed to water it rather than just wait for the rain all the time. She also went out and weeded regularly. She would get on the, in the ground in the dirt. She would be filthy. You know, she would do hard work. She'd be sweaty. She'd come and take a shower afterwards. Um, she set up fences around it so that animals and deer and other things couldn't get in, right? She, uh, and then, um, and then eventually she would go out and check and she didn't do it once. She did it every day of the week or every other day and grabbed things, realized some things aren't ready yet, waited longer, was patient, came back the next couple of days, grabbed a couple things, and then did that all that whole process over and over again until we're getting closer to the end of the season. And, uh, 
and we've had, you know, we've had jars of salsa and jars of pickles, like massive amounts of them because, because of the amount of time that went into it. That's like, that's the picture that I'm getting out of this here is like the concept of wisdom, the concept of the wisdom from above and the lifestyle we are to live. The fruit of that is sown in peace by those who cultivate it, cultivate peace. So like, how do we become peaceful people? How does our life be known as peaceful? How does our actions be known as peaceful? How does our decision-making is peaceful? Like, how do we become defined as people who are peaceful or have peace or exhibit peace? Like, what is that like in, within the context of sowing and reaping? I think it's the same in the fruit of righteousness is right, sown. Right. So it's kind of saying the thing you get mm-hmm. is sown here. If you click but the button, you'll see all of these verses. <laughs> Into 
I mean, he's talking about wisdom overall, right? Yeah. So I kind of see it like, and, and this is discussion. Yeah. I kind of see it as him saying, like, I think they're almost like interchangeable, the word. I mean, they have specific, you know, theological sanctification and justification and, and righteousness and all that stuff. But, but taking out of the literal and more into the concepts, I think what he's kind of using is they're almost interchangeable in a way. Like, like he's talking about wisdom. He's saying exactly what you're saying. You, for a person who, for the very first time, receives Christ and the Holy Spirit revitalizes their soul, from that moment until at any point, you know, all of us in the room and online here, like all of us uh, who call on the name of Jesus are now his children. And when we spend time with him and allow him to transform us, these kinds of discussions we're having here, our personal times of reading the word and meditating on it, our times of prayer, our conferences we go to, walking in the park, any number of ways as that begins to impact us and change us and transform us. And then the actions flow out of that, like we're saying, like my behaviors now change, which is the fruit that comes from it. That's wisdom. Like I think that's what he's saying. That's wisdom. Wisdom can be boiled down to it was a wise choice for you to spend time with Jesus today. But truly wisdom ultimately means your existence and the way that you live is wisdom. Like personification of our creator. Like it's like, um, I don't know, I use a word that's like weird in a Christian sense. But like it's like we are like little avatars of God in heaven on earth. As we, as we are um, reflecting mirrors, we talked about the mirror reflections. We talked about um, becoming like Christ, right? Uh, be like Christ as I follow Christ. You know, like, like that's our goal is to the more we spend uh, time with Christ, the more time we spend allowing him to transform us as we are transformed, we live that out. We reflect him so much so that in, in, the, in Acts, in, the, in, in Antioch, they were called little Christ, like little Christians, like, like, oh, look at those little Jesuses running around. Like that's kind of the goal, right? That's the goal here is like they can't distinguish the, the, not just the things that we do, because that would be hypocritical if I did it, but in private, I acted a different way. Like there is no distinction between Christ and us in people's eyes. Like that's what he's saying is wisdom. I think like he's saying like the wisdom of the world is everybody wants to be their own man and they want to do their own thing. And they think that they know best. No, that's what I'm getting. That's kind of me summarizing the whole passage here, I think. And he's saying, but if you truly want to be a wise person, what is he starts off by saying, who among you thinks you're wise, right? He says, well, let me tell you what wisdom really looks like. It was the guy who was on the cross and did all of these things. And if you want to be wise, then your road is that. That's kind of what I'm thinking, which is what you're saying. Like, and then you'll be righteous, you know, and you'll, and you will have, um, you will, you will be saved. And then the fruit of that righteousness will be people coming to Christ, which is what we see in Acts chapter two, right? They're filled with the spirit and Peter gets up and preaches to thousands. And then later on in the chapter, Acts two verses 42 to 47, I think it talks about how they were so together, how they were so learning from each other and, and praying all the time and eating together, all these kinds of things. And it said, and then the Lord was adding to their number, right? There was this process that was revealed there that as they were becoming like Christ, like the true wisdom of the world, of the universe, God's wisdom was revealed through them. 
and, and people, like, their eyes were open, and they saw that there was a difference between what the world says is wisdom and what God has bestowed upon humanity. Like, which, coincidentally, is always there, by the way. It's not like we're discovering, it's not like it's, it's like he brought this wisdom. It's like, it was like a painting, like a mirror that's all black, and we wiped the soot off of it, and now we can see what was always there on, you know, reality. That's, like, what we thought was wisdom was a spray-painted wall, when you clean it off, oh, there's the real message. That's the real wisdom. You know. Sorry, Pastor Jared's preaching again. <laughs> so I have, I'm actually reading from a message. Right yeah. Now, and I, I don't normally read from the message, but I figured today I, I usually use CFD. It's really good for this exact reason because it gives a great paraphrase. I usually use CFD like, like you would, and, but just to kind of give a different perspective for it. So verse 17 and 18 goes, says, Real wisdom, God's wisdom, who gives with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others, it is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, hmm. not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treat each other with dignity and honor. Hmm. And I thought that like, it really breaks it down for you and tells you exactly, you know, instead of using, you know, fruits of the spirit or anything, it kind of just... Very practical. It's like an instruction, yeah. basically. It reminds me of uh, Jesus said it. He said, they will know that you are mine by the way that you love each other. Which is kind of what, again, whoop, yeah. you know, here he is reflecting a word of, of, of his master. So if you're not loving And it's not wise. That's yeah. the world would be like, well, again, right? What do we talk about? We say this all the time. Cancel culture. Oh, that's not the kind of person you should hang out with. That's not the person that you want in your life. Done. You know, because you have a disagreement or, you know, whatever. Like, I'm done with that person. No, according to this, the instruction here is, is no, do the work of cultivating peace in a relationship. You know. Yeah, or division. Or division. Yeah. Uh, and how we behave and what we speak, how, how much we can bring love into the situation and peace. Um, like we can choose to just be selfish and protect ourselves and step back properly and, and shut, close ourselves in our houses. Or we can choose to somehow, uh, how God leads us to, to serve. Mm. That God is, um, and yeah, and I think each of us has the, their own, you know, fears about different things. Um, but uh, it always reminds me about passage, uh, like how um, Paul is boosting uh, in his weaknesses, mm -hmm. because this is where the power of God can flow. So, um, so that's kind of was kind of like when you were reading and you were talking when you were summarizing everything. Wisdom and peace, uh, of wisdom that um, um, 
process in, in peace hmm. that is very applicable nowadays. And very practically, <laughs> bless you, very practically I think about that's a good measuring stick. If I, so to, to pull it down, I mean obviously we've been talking very high level about wisdom being not just about an action but like an existence. But if you do, it does obviously have applicable points. So if you pull it down to, if I say this thing to my friend or family member or online, does it bring peace? Does it lend to peace? I mean, sometimes Jesus said things that were not, that were not, you know, they, they, right. <laughs> and that he knew we're going to draw lines. And so it's not that we can't do that, but that the result, like, am I trying to bring about peace? Am I trying to be a peacemaker? And I think it speaks to the motive, of course. Like, is the motive for me, I'm just ticked off and so I want to start a fire? Or am I trying to draw, draw um, attention to something that needs to be so that healing can take place, you know? And I think that's a good barometer to, 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 to ask that in ourselves. I think that's what... What th- that is, is, that's a, an aspect of what he's trying to say. If we are to be peacemakers, peace bringers, you know, on a very practical daily basis, thinking about our choices, thinking about our, our words that we speak, which he talks a lot about, right? I mean, think about that. What did he say in chapter one or two? I can't remember. He said, he said, be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to becoming angry. Like, that is a very practical piece of this. Like you can't be a peaceful person. I, when I counsel married couples, um, you know, and I, and I talk to them about their problems they're having or even premarital counsel, we talk about communication. Seek to understand, seek to be understood because that brings peace. If all I want to do is talk or if I'm angry and I speak before listening, before hearing, then I'm dividing because I'm pushing my thoughts rather than trying to find you know, a center space. I was actually going to say something like that, so I'm glad you brought that up, that this is a very difficult balance, I think, for Christians. Like, the, 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 the balance of, I'm standing up for what's right, I am speaking truth, I am speaking of biblically, but also on the other side of things, bringing peace about it. Because mm. I think, especially, what I've noticed is, you know, we have so much happening right now. Like there are many things right now that people are angry about, conflicting about, dividing over, and not even just one thing, you know, it's just so many things. And I, and unfortunately I have seen that a a lot of that conflict is coming from Christians who are not seeking to understand. They are, Hmm. they are soapboxing, soapboxing and using it as an opportunity, I think in many ways to, this is my chance to stand up for what's right and be persecuted for it. And I'm like, I, I think it's incredible that you want to do that, that you are taking on some sort of like, you're probably putting more rubber on the road than maybe you have in, your, in, in a complacent way of faith before. But I can't help but feel like there's not a lot of balance that I'm seeing in the sense of like, like are you... Are you actively digging into your into the word? Are you actively spending time in you know plugged into the to your power source? Are you slow to anger? Are you slow to, to speak? Because that's even an area that I have to say, okay, like like I've got something to say. It's rare I don't have <laughs> something to say. So I'm like, I can scroll through anything and be completely ignorant about something, but it will trigger a thought, trigger a feeling. 
or you know, and I'll be like, type, 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 and then I'll be like, no. Like I have to ask myself that question: Is this beneficial? Like, what is the purpose? Am I am I speaking because I have something I want to say and I just want I feel it needs to be said for me, or am I speaking this because it's something that the Lord's putting on my heart? Jesus wants you to. Right. Right. right? <laughs> Two very different things. Yeah. Right. And it's like, and it's like I think that um, I think that it. Just a just a, a thought, not so yeah. much like any any specific point, as much as it's something that strikes me is that this is a very difficult balance that standing up because, like you said, Jesus was not always gentle. Jesus did not; he wasn't always quiet and and allowing you know like saying. I mean, he did say the perfect things at the right time, but like, <laughs> but, but it wasn't so much like I'm just gonna sit back and I'm only gonna create conflict when someone asks puts me in that corner to do so that's not what jesus was jesus did pursue he did flip tables he you know he was challenging the status quo but he was doing it with such wisdom and taking his time to think about things taking his time to speak i speak when it's important and necessary for me to do so in the right manner of doing it with the right heart and doing it and i feel like as humans we are so flawed that it's one or the other oftentimes it's either i'm standing up for what's right and i'm not saying it in the right way with the right heart and the right tone or i'm not saying anything at all because i don't want to create conflict so i think I, th I think that part of what just came to mind as i was you know and i think it's applicable for all of us is that jesus was ready for those moments in large part because of what he did when he was not in those confrontational spaces you know, there was a lot of times where it said Jesus went alone to pray, um, you know, or he was, there's a lot of, like, a lot of missing time in terms of between city A and city B, he and his friends were at a campfire that night sleeping and having conversation, kind of talking about what was happening, encouraging each other and all that stuff that we know is there, but is not written specifically, you know, like, I think for us to be the people that are ready in season, that means that we prepare out of season, I think has a lot to do with it right, as well. The same thing from like, you know, if, if you're going to defend a point for whatever it is, you know, whatever side, if anything, you're going to stand up for, I mean, you need to be learned in that side, you know, and so having, taking the time on your own to, to, to understand what it is that you're fighting for, that, that is, uh, gives you the ability to obviously know what you're talking about, gives you wisdom. And also, I think it can bring about a sense of, you know, peace within the conversation as well, just because then you're educated and you can still come across with whatever it is within, like, a professional and, and uh, uh, I feel like a professional tone mm -hmm. behind it because you have that wisdom that's sort of already there. You know, it's not like, you know, we'll just call it what it is, like the BLM thing right now, you know? Like, so if you're just, uh, if you're going to say, man, this is wrong, but then they start, you know, people with naysayers, whatever, start like firing back at you with like various arguments and you don't know what they're talking about or whatever. It's very easy still just to like, yeah, but you're still wrong. No, you know, so like to to just take that time and that wisdom to understand mm. what you're talking about, you know, pray about it, take that personal time to just research it. That's good. And, and to respond to your comments, Sally, another thing that I see with Jesus of, of at times he's quiet and doesn't speak and at times he's very bold and speaking Italian, we're probably running out of time, right? We are. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make us quick. He, he, he's also very cognizant of seasons. There's, there's seasons when he's reserved. There's seasons when he's bold. Mm. 
in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, he heals a man and says, don't tell anyone. He casts out a demon and says, don't tell anyone about this. Now's not the time to be making bold proclaimants. But then at the end of the Mark, end of Mark, um, you know, the angel at the, at the tomb is saying to the women, go tell everyone the king is here. So, so there is a, a, when you start with a season of being reserved, it makes it much more hmm. noticeable when you do take a stand. If I can say what you're bringing up, it's very interesting because Jesus, I think, thinks he was communicating like bigger, broader. He was also communicating to spiritual forces because uh, later on uh, in Acts, um, I think Peter, he, he says that, uh, that the, the forces of darkness crucified uh, the one he did, they didn't kind of know about. So the thing is, they didn't know, even though in scripture, in Old Testament, we think about it, there are pieces that are pointing Jesus. But we see it because we know about right. Jesus. But for them, it wasn't clear because they had to piece, put different pieces together. Right. So it was a mystery that uh, scripture says was revealed mm -hmm. to people. And and it wasn't known to forces or darkness because they actually crucified crucify Jesus. Mm -hmm. Other way, they wouldn't allow Jesus to be crucified. They knew he is Messiah, they knew what is his purpose, but they didn't know how. But they didn't know that his purpose is to serve him. So for Jews, there was no concept of serving Messiah who will be crucified. They, they couldn't comprehend it. That's why they, they couldn't really understand Jesus is their Messiah. It didn't make sense. So I think it's also important when you communicate things like Jesus that, uh, that he was intentional how much the forces of darkness still know. Mm -hmm. So at the end, it, it was kind of, you know, Go ahead and tell everyone. But at the beginning, uh, he didn't want to reveal exactly how his plan would be. Um, it wasn't time yet. Well, guys, I think this was a really great discussion again. Um, probably go on and on. I'm sure it can. <laughs> I'm sure it can. I still I want to make sure we take time to pray for each other today. Um, does any anybody online have any thoughts that they want to share before we? Uh, wrap up the discussion. I certainly want to make sure that everybody has a chance to participate. Um, does anybody have any thoughts or anything before we kind of move on?